0: And turn around and say hello to somebody. So glad to have everybody out tonight. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. That's fantastic. Thank you for your faithfulness, for being here, for uh, your prayer support, how important that is. And uh, yes, Sunday is a mighty big day. Uh, every Sunday is a great day around here at Central, but uh, this Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. April the 4th, the world calls it Easter. We want to everybody be out. Everybody who can physically come out. Now, if you've got to come on a gurney or in a wheelchair or however you got to get here, get here and bring somebody with you. Bring a... butt. Listen, that fellow that was on that uh, pallet that was born a four, he got credit for packing a pew because uh, they brought him and, and dug that hole in the ceiling and lowered him down. And he got four more besides. But anyway, let's have everybody out. Bring your family, your friends, your relatives. And God bless you for your faithfulness. Your faithfulness in giving is outstanding. All bills are paid. Keep on giving. Don't forget our missionaries. They're out serving the Lord faithfully. Don't forget our special love offering for the Zick's. Z-I-C-K. That's Bert and Bertie Zick. They're serving the Lord faithfully in open air venues. Winning Souls to Christ, 87 souls saved last month, praise the Lord, I haven't got the report for this month, but I know it's going to be a good one, they're serving the Lord faithfully, so give what you can, and we're going to do that through April, and help them with supplemental giving, they're, they're up in age, I don't want to, listen, I know that, Brother Skip, I know you're watching, alright, I don't want you to feel bad about this, but you know what, you don't need to be driving Uber Eats just to keep body and soul together, and so that's why we're providing the supplemental support for these good folks as they win, folks, to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. On the back, on the way out, be sure to get the day of the crucifixion. It explains that Jesus had the Last Supper. would have been last evening. And, uh, and uh, even now, as the sun is going down, he's being taken off the cross. He'll be laid in the borrowed tomb for 72 hours before he rises from the dead. That's according to the Scriptures. I want you to be able to have grasp of that. Alright, so pick one of those up. Also, we have our other magazines. We have our, our devotional guide. It's absolutely free. Uh, we've got our Acts and Facts. Please don't miss out on that. Got a thank you from the Phillips family. Dear Dr. Winnegar Pastor, Central Baptist Church family, just wanted to send you a short note thanking you for the kind birthday card, the encouraging letter, and your prayers. Thank you again for the endless support and your kindness to my family. May our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continue to richly bless each of you. All right. And they serve in what part of the world? Where do the Phillips serve? Where? Kazakhstan in Central Asia. That's right. Praise the Lord. And we're praying about uh, their getting back in. The visa situation is challenging. And we're praying. And prayer, listen. By God's grace and for His glory, prayer can accomplish great and miraculous things. Amen? Amen. I believe it with all my heart. Alright, here's a thank you. You know, we've uh, we sent a thousand and uh, some extra Bibles uh, through uh, beams down to uh, the Caribbean. That's where they landed, in the Caribbean. And uh, I don't know uh, exactly the missionaries, but we'll be getting reports back on those Bibles being distributed. Now, also I want you to know that just this week, we have sent another $3,400 plus for Bibles, Portuguese Bibles, for a great effort in Brazil with our missionary uh, James and his wife Odessa Nash down there in Brazil. So praise the Lord. God's Word is getting out. I'm so excited, I can't stand it. It's just amazing what God is doing and praise the Lord. Now uh, between now and Sunday, let's all be visiting, let's be calling up, let's be texting, let's do everything we possibly can to get folks out. Pick up a copy of the April calendar on the back also if you would. I appreciate that. And because this is the 31st, that means that tomorrow is the beginning of a new month. I want you to be listening to uh, From the Shepherd to the Sheep, I've got something very special. I wrote a new song just for tomorrow's occasion. And uh, in none other than a Christian magazine, uh, an editorial writer has written about this business of April fools. Uh, and the writer says, Careless words, foolish talk, and the fear of the Lord. See, that's what tomorrow is. It is true. It is true. Proverbs 17, a says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And so that's good. You need some heart medicine, that's good. But I was taught, and we are learning slowly, part B of that verse is, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. And it's never right to use humor to demean somebody else. It's never right to trick somebody else so that they are unhappy. It's never right to do that. You say, well, I was brought up that way. Well, you brought up wrong then. We need a balance in the Christian life. Uh, our president at Bible College, though he wasn't very good at telling or, or understanding a joke, he, uh, he did teach us this principle that if you don't tell a joke, tell a joke on yourself. Tell a joke on yourself. Don't make fun of somebody else's uh, appearance or their station in life or their background. That's absolutely wrong for Christians. Jesus would not do that. And uh, there is... A scripture that I'd like to share from Proverbs 26 and verse 18. As a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death, verse 19, so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, Am I not in sport? I was just joking. I was just kidding. So, don't do April Fool's Day pranks. And as far as the preacher is concerned, and as far as an official position of this ministry, we do not believe in practical jokes, period. I don't participate in them. I don't sanction them. I don't like them. I don't smile at them. I discourage them. Why? Because of the very reasons I've given you, the principles I've given you. Just because it makes you feel good momentarily doesn't mean that it's right. Every idle word, the Bible says, Matthew 12, 36, we're going to have to give an account to Almighty God for that. You say, preacher, that's an awful Negative way to start out tonight. No, I think it's a positive way. I'm positive of what I just said. So I, I believe we ought, to, we ought to have some good standards. And uh, let's see all the people that we can positively encourage and get them to listen to the gospel and get them saved. And if we'd put half as much effort into that as foolishness, why, just think of all the souls that would get saved. Amen? Amen. We are in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter Number six, and we have discovered about the whole armor of God. Number one, the armor of God is real. It is real. Number two, the armor of God is spiritual. Number three, the armor of God is available. And Number four, the armor of God is complete. That's why the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God. The whole purpose of the armor of God is to cover us because we are in battle. Now, the battle is the Lord's. The battle has been won already. We know the outcome, but we, on a daily basis, on a practical basis, are still facing the fiery darts of the wicked. We'll talk about that next week. We need to make sure everything is covered. Now, not everything is covered. And to illustrate that, one of my evangelist friends used to tell this story. I don't take credit for it, but he used to tell it. And he would tell it all the time. I've heard it a number of times. It's the story of Satan's attack upon a typical Christian. Satan first shot a poisonous dart at his heel, but the Christian was unharmed because he had his feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. Satan next shot an arrow at his loins, but the Christian repelled this easily because his loins were girt about with that leather belt of truth. Unsuccessfully, the devil tried a shot at the breast, but there was the breastplate of righteousness, and the Christian knocked away another dart with his shield, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation repelled another arrow. But the devil was not discouraged, and the devil does not quit. And so he creeped around behind the Christian, and according to the evangelist, he shot him straight in the wallet and killed him dead. So, there you go. Must have been a Baptist, huh? All right. Amen. Amen. All right. So, we, we need to be prepared for battle that we're doing With the devil, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to review what we've read so far. and We're going to add to it tonight, beginning at verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's an unseen we don't see them. We see the results, but we don't see them because they are spiritual beings. They are demons. Wherefore, look at, at the previous context to see what the meaning of wherefore, wherefore, take unto you the whole, the entire armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. So last time we emphasized the standing, the standing, that you may be able to, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil we clothe ourselves with all of God's armor to be able to be in other words dunamite to be powerful enough to stand and not fall many many young believers have attempted to do this in their own flesh in their own effort and have failed and they have fallen they have fallen because the devil is an expert at trickery, at beguiling. As we read, let's turn to second, second. Uh, let's see, second Corinthians. Yes, that's it. Second Corinthians, chapter eleven. 2 Corinthians, chapter eleven. And it says in verse number two: "For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you." To one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, but I fear lest by any means. As the serpent beguiled Eve, you see that, through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. We have to be single-minded. We have to stay on uh, the the correct track. We have to be focused on what our purpose is. This, This Satan transforms himself, as it says down in verse 14, No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers or servants also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. You can't and I cannot tell the difference between those ministers of Satan and those who are true unless we have the whole armor of God on and are filled with the Spirit and have discernment by the Holy Spirit to be led into all truth. It's so important. It's so very important. Go back one chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. It's not a physical battle. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not, they're not everyday five cents kind of weapons, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Don't attempt to battle in the energy and the witness of the flesh. Now we're going to pick up back at our text in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14 where we closed off stand therefore. Look what the next words are after stand therefore. Verse 14 of Ephesians 6. Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now we definitely need the whole armor of God. And we're going to see how each of these pieces will contribute to our success in this battle in which we find ourselves for the faith, for for what is right, and for the Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, I would ask in Jesus' name that you fill me now with the Holy Spirit. Help me, I pray, as I preach and teach the truth in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my Timothys, uh, an assistant in our earlier ministry... Uh, has gone on to pastor now for four decades, uh, and d- very successfully, most lately in uh, central Illinois. And he has written books. He is the, he is the uh, founder of and president of an international ministry. And he's made us very proud. But he has said this, Since the early days of man upon the earth, there has been a fascination with the powers of darkness and the occult. Knowing that the powers of darkness are evil, one has to wonder why anyone would be fascinated with such things. But the Bible gives a simple answer. John 3.19 says, And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's why when given a choice, even backslidden Christians will choose the darkest and the most evil, for example, of electronic games to play. Rather than, you know, something like, uh, what was, uh, back in the old days when they first made the machines, it was boop, 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 what was that, uh, the, the earliest, what was it? Mario yeah, Mario and Pong or whatever, all those, yeah, 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 those those games, Kong. what is it, Donkey Kong? Donkey Kong, all right, yes, uh, which I think is, is probably an Asian name that has been anglicized it like Donkey Kong. Okay, all right. So I don't, want to say, I don't want to say anything detrimental because those games seemed innocent by comparison with what we have today. Uh, they, the so-called horror movies of the black and white era seem almost comical, although they're satanic and demonic and, and you know, evil-based. But by comparison, I'm saying, by contrast with what there is today with the blood and the gore and the cruelty, uh, today there is a whole subculture of evil in our country. And a large percentage of our young people have been taken in by it. Not all young, either. A lot of folks that are in their 20s, 30s and up. Today, American culture has popularized this fascination with darkness. And the reason is because there are things about it that appeal to the flesh. Our flesh and that darkness are allied. Our flesh is the enemy of our spirit. Are you listening to me? Our flesh is the enemy of our spirit. So when it comes to choosing up sides, our flesh goes with darkness rather than with light. It is only by a deliberate act of our will that... That we choose light rather than darkness. Witchcraft, black magic, Wicca, fortune telling, palm reading, astrology, gothic themes, pagan deities, this whole thing with earth goddess has taken over. It's absolutely taken over. See it everywhere. All right. Super violence and, and superpowers are just a few of the areas in which this spiritual wickedness has taken control of entertainment and uh, for all intents and purposes, a great deal of our time and energy. Even kids' television channels are dominated by those elements that I just mentioned. So, entertainment in the world has appealed to the flesh, which is an ally of the demonic, and in turn... They sell. It does sell. There's money in this. Big time money. And uh, these folks are peddlers of darkness. Uh, My Timothy has done the background because I don't even like reading about this. But uh, he has uh, listed the greatest witchcraft movies of all time. And uh, I don't recognize any of the titles. Praise the Lord, I've never seen any of these movies. But... uh, People will do that and the, the, uh, the walls get broken down little by little, level by level, level by level. There is a substantial record of demonic activity through the Bible and throughout history. Uh, demonic beings are disembodied spirits, uh, angels, fallen, uh, that are linked with Satan, and uh, demons are not human. Uh, the gospel of Mark uh, refers to them as spirit beings. Mark 9, 25, when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb that is mute and deaf spirit, I charge thee come out of him and enter no more. Uh, Demons are capable of putting thoughts in minds. And uh, beware of demonic influences when you come under them. When you open the screen door and invite Satan in, I'm going to tell you what, you're not going to be able... To expel him until you call Jesus and he takes him out. So that's it. So uh, we, we have a battle that we're engaged in. And it's all around us. And it's on every level. Satan is a formidable foe. And we have been equipped, empowered. And because of that, we should be emboldened to stand against the wiles of the devil. We have the whole armor of God, we have for the body, we have, this, uh, we have the girdle of truth, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, which we're going to see tonight, uh, the gospel of peace for the feet, uh, the shield of faith for the, uh, for the forearm and hand, for the head, the helmet of salvation, and for our mouth, the sword of the Spirit. So this equipment is each and every piece designed with a purpose. It, it wouldn't do for us just to use it any old way we want to. We need to use it in the prescribed way. We need to become adept at it and use it every single day. First of all, we read about the truth. The truth. Now, the uh, girtabout with truth refers to a thick leather belt, a wide leather belt that was around... The, uh, the soldier, the Roman soldier in that day in particular, and he used it for a number of things, but it held all the armor from flapping. Uh, when, the, when the soldier had to double time it, when they had to uh, move really fast in battle to keep everything from flying every direction, that belt held it all together. Also, in the Middle East, many times there was, uh, on the men because the, the style was of, of clothing was that way, There was some type of a a garment hanging down and it could be longer or it could be shorter depending upon uh, which soldier, which army, which time, which campaign, uh, what the weather was. But when they have to move quickly, they would cinch up what was long and would trip them and so they had to have that belt of truth there to hold everything together and to keep them from tripping and to keep them from falling and stumbling they're in battle. Now listen to me. Every person here who's saved needs to put on the belt of truth every single day. belt of truth enables everything to work in concert with everything else. The belt of truth enables us not to stumble over ourselves. We are our own greatest enemy in that respect. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall over ourselves. We're going to get all tangled up in ourselves. Now the truth that's spoken of here is not individual truth or subjective truth. When Jesus was praying in John chapter 17, praying to the Father and He said, Sanctify them with thy truth, thy word is truth. So when we say the word truth, the belt of truth that holds everything together, that keeps everything from flapping apart and keeps us from becoming our own worst enemy, stumbling over ourselves, is represented by the truth of the Word of God. The Word of God. That's why the Word of God needs to be hidden in our heart. I've been doing a lot of study again on the life and ministry of evangelist Billy Sunday. And there's a reason for that. Uh, we've been asked to participate in an effort uh, that will. Uh, remember Billy Sunday's ministry. But uh, Billy Sunday was born uh, and raised for the first uh, months of his life in a log cabin just outside of Ames, Iowa. His mom, Mary, uh, had a total of three, four children, I believe. Uh, But uh, her husband, William, uh, went off to the Civil War uh, forded a river, caught chill, died of pneumonia. So she was left a widow. The kids were, you know, half orphaned in that respect. And eventually, she had to send the boys off to the to the soldiers' uh, orphans home. And uh, the interesting story about it. But Billy Sunday said he remembers his mother was a Christian woman, and even when he was little, she would relate. Uh, the truths of, of the Bible and Scripture verses. And then when they went off to this, this orphan's home uh, for kids of, of soldiers in the Civil War, in those days they not only had their ABCs and their, their math, but they also had Bible. And so he learned Bible. He memorized Bible. And he, he developed an unshakable conviction that this book that I'm holding in my hands is the God-breathed Word of God. He believed that. Now, he was not even saved at this time. He was brought up with the conviction that the book is the Bible, that Jesus is deity, that He is the Son of God. But he went off and became a super athlete. He was the fastest runner in Major League Baseball in his day. He could circle the bases in record time. No one could come close to him. And he was an outfielder. And he was a pretty fair catch. He could, he could run out underneath that fly ball and catch it no matter where it went. And he had a good arm. He was an average hitter. Nothing better than an average hitter. But he was able to play in the major leagues for a good period of time. And that was good because he became famous. But it was bad because he hung out with the crowd that after every game, they go down to the saloon and just get absolutely bombed. And uh, he was an alcoholic, as was every member of his team. they go get bombed after every game. Come back, try to play the next day. Go out and get drunk again. And, and that wore on him. It wore horribly on him. And one day, he was walking down the street, and he walked past uh, the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. And he heard them singing. And uh, he sat down on the curb, and all the other guys said, come on, Billy, we're going over to the saloon. And he said, nope, I'm not, I'm, I'm done with that life. Even before he walked in, he said, I'm finished, boys, I'm finished. And he said he went in and he heard the gospel and he got saved. And eventually, he became an assistant, assistant of the uh, YMCA and other organizations back in the days when the, the C in YMCA stood for Christian. He became a... Uh, an assistant to Wilbur Chapman, the great evangelist. When Wilbur Chapman uh, resigned from evangelism to take a large pastorate on the East Coast, he gave his leftover meetings, he had five or six meetings, to Billy Sunday and the rest is history. Billy Sunday first preached in tents, and then when you know the snowstorm or the rainstorm brought it down, then he started building tabernacles. Because they could, there was no building large enough to seat the crowds that came to hear him preach. He would preach, uh, he would preach like uh, he was sliding into second base and he was you know, uh, trying to strike out the devil. And he use all kinds of baseball metaphors. Absolutely amazing. But he looks back and he says it was absolutely fundamental, it was basic, that when he was a young child, he was introduced to the Word of God and to Jesus Christ. That way he didn't have doubts. He said, every one of those men that went drinking with me, when I said, so long boys, I'm not going anymore. And he gave up. He said, every one of them, every one of them went to a to a drunkard's grave. He said, uh, "He said I'll preach. I'll preach against booze until I die. And he did. He and evangelist Sam Jones and a few others kept a large Part of this country, flyover country, kept it dry for years and years and years and years. And I'm talking about no alcohol. And, uh, and they were responsible for keeping demon rum down. Alright. The reason I mentioned all of that is it is very important that we give proper credence to the Word of God. In raising our children, conducting our family business. Very important that our kids know that the reason we're doing this is because the Bible says so. This is, why we're, this is why we believe and do what we do and say what we do, and this is how we act, and it's because of what's in the Bible. Here it is right here. And, and our kids and our grandkids need to know that we are people of the book. I don't know about that other church that way or that other church that way or the one that way or the one that way or the ones that are near or the ones that are far, but I know about one church. This church is a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-reaching church. That's what we're going to stay. Never are we going to make some other priority more important than the main thing. We're going to always remember the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's why we never closed our doors. That's why we kept on with preaching. That's why we keep on with the broadcasting of the truth because that's the main thing. It may be a while before there are all the other activities, but the main thing will always be carried on. That's it. That's it. The Word of God, the belt of truth, holds it all together. It'll hold your life together. It'll hold your family together. It'll hold your future together. It'll hold uh, your highest and noblest goals together. The Word of God. Equipment for both defensive and offensive purposes is essential. And this armor is for our own preservation and for our own standing for the truth. Your loins girt about with truth. Think about that. Turn over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. 1 Peter and chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Peter is writing and he says, Wherefore, on the basis of the entire first 12 verses, Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ. So, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, loins, of course, contain the vital organs. And the loins contain that which enables us to reproduce and have children. And we are in the business of reproducing spiritually. We're in the business of of leaving a legacy and carrying on. How important is this? The devil knows this is very, very important. So other reading may have its place. Obviously it should be uh, godly or at the very least uh, good, wholesome reading. But it should always be secondary to Bible reading. It should be... Secondary to Bible uh, memorization and Bible application and Bible usage. The, the spirit of the mind needs to be built up and needs to be girt about with truth. Girt about with truth. When Jesus was, was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, two of the Gospels, Matthew and Luke, say that Jesus was led of the Spirit. He was always yielded to the direction of the Holy Spirit to do the will of the Father. So when he went into the wilderness, this was not something that the devil was in control of. But God the Father was in control of. Also, you need to know that the Gospel according to Mark, which I had the privilege of reviewing over the phone with Brother Herman. God bless you, Brother Herman, Sister Helen out there. Says that Jesus was driven by the Spirit. Into the wilderness, you talk about motivation. He was, he was, uh, he was all charged up, raring to go, to get out there, go face to face and toe to toe with the devil himself. After he was and hungered forty days, when he was at the physical low point, that's when, in the power of the spirit, and uh, the temptation of the devil came. Even the misuse of scripture by Satan, Jesus Christ could answer him with his Bible using quoting from Deuteronomy. He says, it is written, it is written, it is written. And that is the pattern for you and for me when we're tempted of the devil. It is written. Get thee behind me, Satan. It is written. Whatever the Bible says is true. Never forget that. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. There it is. There it is. Christ himself is the truth. The Word of God is the truth. And speaking and applying the truth is the application, the living out of the truth. Those three together cannot be defeated. Those three cannot, that threefold cord cannot be broken in the face of the temptation of Satan. That's what the belt of truth is all about. That's why we need to gladly take it and put it on. Every day, carefully, put it on, put it on. The truth keeps me from falling all over myself, from becoming entangled and tripping over myself and supports me in the battle of life as I face this uh, enemy, the devil. All right, number number two. Number two, not only are we to take the belt of truth that holds it all together, keeps us from becoming entangled, etc., But likewise, we are to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, it covers the front of us. It covers from the shoulders down to the waist. It covers all of that area. Uh, It goes under the arms. It starts to wrap around. Now, I realize that in most cases, the armor was not completely around the body. But at least it covered the front. And if I'm facing the foe and not running from the foe, I'm covered. And this is the breastplate of righteousness. What does the breastplate of righteousness cover? It covers the heart. It covers the heart. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 4. This is one you ought to memorize. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The heart is the seat of our emotions and scripturally usually has to do with that part of us which uh, motivates us to go, causes us to to get up and go and do what we're supposed to do, and that's it. The heart is where we believe. That's the deepest place we believe, and we uh, we choose on the basis of what we believe. So we need to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not. Our own righteousness, not our own righteousness. You know, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so this is the righteousness of Christ in our heart, covering us, keeping us from the devil's uh, weaponry, keeping us from being wounded, keeping us from being set aside in the battle and sitting on the sidelines and being out of the fray. The heart is so very important. So there in we find the importance of this piece of armor. The Christian's heart needs to be focused not on a, a thing or on a series of, of points of belief. In other words, I don't I don't focus on our, for example, our church constitution and bylaws and our our, our covenant and so forth. I don't focus on that. I focus on the one who's responsible. I focus on Jesus Christ. Now the rest of it has its place. I need to know what the covenant says. I need to know what uh, the statement of faith is all about in each individual point. And I need to know that and commit that to memory and, and to life. But on a day-by-day basis, as that heart beats, my heart doesn't beat as it beats in rhythm with a statement of faith. My heart doesn't beat in rhythm with a, with a covenant or uh, with uh, uh, some other written document, but my heart beats in concert with the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. I have to be on the same heartbeat, the same level with Him. This is the Christian being lined up with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It never is my righteousness, It's the righteousness of Christ. When I get saved, God imputes His righteousness uh, on our record so that our record shows us uh, as being as right as Christ is. But on a practical level, the only way I'm going to have that righteousness moment by moment, day by day, is if I'm yielded to Jesus Christ and that heartbeat takes place. As His heart beats, my heart beats. There it is. I want to be on the same, same heartbeat as Jesus Christ. I wonder tonight if we can say that. I wonder tonight if, in fact, we have put on that belt of truth and that breastplate of righteousness as we ought to. May God help us to do that. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in the Word of God. Spoke to my heart tonight. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. Amen. May God grant it. All right, in just a moment, we are going to be singing. I want you to come from where you are. If the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart, we'd like you to come, have a word of prayer, and go back to your seat. And uh, tonight, if you are here without Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you do not know that you're saved, would you pray right now something like this? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. And if you prayed that prayer and meant it, would you slip your hand up high?